This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, everyone. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Welcome to Yoga Birth Babies, a podcast produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. We will be diving into everything prenatal yoga, birth, and baby-related, hoping to inspire, educate, and empower you through your journey into motherhood. Thank you for listening. Hi, everyone. I am Deb Flaschenberg, and I am your host of Yoga Birth Babies. And today we're going to talk about postpartum care in the sense of what maybe women are not knowing, what they're going home with not knowing from the hospitals, and really understanding what the health professionals need to give the women. So we have Dr. Deborah Bingham talking to us today, and she's the Associate Professor at the University of Maryland School of Nursing, as well as the Founder and Executive Director of the Institute of Perinatal Quality Improvement. So let me tell you a little bit about Deborah. Dr. Deborah Bingham has over 30 years experience in maternal child health nursing, a master's degree in perinatal nursing from Columbia University, and a doctorate in public health from the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. Most of Deborah's career has been spent working in the hospital leadership positions at the front line of healthcare. She is also the author of numerous articles published in peer-reviewed journals. Deborah is also a Lamaze certified childbirth educator and former chair of Lamaze International's Institute for Safe and Healthy Births. Currently, Dr. Bingham is an associate professor of healthcare quality and safety at the University of Maryland School of Nursing, a perinatal consultant, and the founder and executive director of the Institute for Perinatal Quality. Improvement. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, Deborah. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for inviting me. I'm excited to talk about this topic with you. Yeah, when I first came across the study, which we'll talk about, uh, I was floored when I started researching further into this. So I'm really excited to share all of your knowledge and really kind of what drew you to all of this. So let's start with just what brought you to do this work? Yes. Yeah, so, you know, I became a nurse quite a few years ago. <laughs> As you, I, for those, can they see me? I no, know. <laughs> it's all audio. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's why I wasn't sure. So I have white hair, so I've been around <laughs> a while. So, um, but I became a nurse because I like helping people and I like fixing problems. And so I started doing quality improvement work naturally uh, many years ago, and then went on and got a doctorate in public health to even get more expertise in the area of quality improvement. And one of the projects uh, around um, this post-birth um, warning signs, we did this project specifically because identified that there was a gap in what women knew and thinking, well, 
gosh, maybe there are nurses who also need to know this information because if the nurses know it, then they're better prepared to teach the women. So can you talk a little bit about the study? What did you find when you did this? And the study was authored in the American Journal of Maternal Child Nursing, Nurses Knowledge and Teaching of Possible Postpartum Complications. What just kind of opened the whole thing up? Great. Yeah. So it we, we actually did a pilot study first, and we weren't sure um, if the findings of those pilot study would be uh, consistent nationally. Was this just what was happening at a few hospitals, or was this nationally uh, representative? And so we did the larger national survey, and we found that 46% of the nurses surveyed uh, were not aware of the that maternal mortality rates have increased in the last decade. And in fact, 19% thought that maternal mortality rates have decreased. So that was concerning. If they're not aware that the rates have increased, then that's a problem. Um, we also saw that 20, 12% of the RNs who responded to our survey reported the correct percentage of maternal deaths that occurred in the postpartum period. In other words, very few women, very few nurses realized how many deaths actually occur in the postpartum period. So what and, is, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, what is the current infant and maternal mortality rate and how does that compare to other industrialized countries? Yes. So the infant mortality rate is around 6.1 per 1,000 live births. And um, that puts us quite a bit lower than a lot of other countries, actually worse off than a lot of other countries. So about 25 other countries and their rates are more in the 2.3 range. So um, we're about double a little more than double um, countries. Um, so like Japan and also Finland, that's the ones that have like, we're double those two countries. And there's other countries that are doing better than us. Um, a lot of European countries and even Czech Republic are doing better than the U.S. for infant mortality. For maternal mortality, our rates are around 17 per 100,000 live births. And that is worse than a lot of other countries. And depending on how people count it, uh, it will vary a bit. You'll hear different numbers. But around, we, we're more in the 50. We rank about 50 worse than other countries. So we're, we're um, and um, yeah, so like the United Kingdom, uh, their rates are more around six and ours are at 17. These are staggering numbers, and I also think that people are, the vast majority of the population is completely unaware of where we rank. And some of the research I did, and this may be outdated, shows that the U.S. has the most expensive births. I don't know if that's still true. Yeah, as far as the data I've seen is we spend more money around maternity care than other countries. But yet... The results aren't showing that the money and the technology we're throwing at it are really helping. That's correct. Yeah, in fact, um, the overuse of C-sections, the overuse of inductions of labor are probably helping contribute. Well, we know they're contributing to maternal morbidity, and um, which also helps uh, increase mortality. Oh, okay, so I'm going to try to pull us back to talk about your study, but when I hear this, it gets me a little riled up because I think there's 
a little bit of, um, you know, not sharing the data and a little, maybe even ignorance of, but we have all the machines and we're doing all we can for medicine and I'm in the hospital, this must be the best. And yet we're really, we're not really showing that. So what is the most vulnerable period for a postpartum mom and what are the leading causes and trends in pregnancy related to this morbidity and mortality? So the most vulnerable period is really within, like, you can break it down into, like, the first day. Mm -hmm. And then um, I would say um, the first, then the next seven days. So um, so really, each day postpartum, you have less vulnerability. Let's just put it that way. Okay. Um, one thing I was reading with, um, I think it was the... Or is it the, the um, CDC? There was one study that they showed that they talked about the highest incidence of pregnancy-related deaths was the first forty, uh, first forty-two days. Um, and what I thought was interesting about that is, at least in the culture around here, is that the mom gets sent home from the birth center hospital. And then she often doesn't see her care provider unless it's an unusual circumstance. Some of the doctors do see people at two weeks, but usually they're on their own for those 42 right. days. Right. And, and if that's the highest incidence of something happening, um, what, how can women best support themselves during that? Right. Um, I, and there's also other studies that show that women aren't getting a lot of support besides, um, in addition to going to see the doctor. So there's other ways in which women could get more support. Like they, in other countries, there will be like in home visits, Mm -hmm. um, postpartum. Um, so there's other, um, yeah, so I think just helping women be aware that they need support and um, sometimes they'll have their family come or other community members come. And that's really important after having a baby and not, you know, not looking at it as something that, oh, I can just do this all by myself. It's a time when women should surround each other and have support for each other. Well, what are some of the leading causes um, of the morbidity and mortality during those 42 days? Yeah, and before we talk about that, I did want to really highlight um, a very concerning trend, which is also that um, if an African-American woman is about three to four times more likely to die in childbirth than women of all other races and ethnicities. And I think that's really important to highlight that we really need to... um, take better care of, uh, women, black, every women, woman, every woman, yeah, every woman, <laughs> um, and particular the disparities. Um, and, um, it's a little unclear what all of that is, but there is definitely some of it's related to structural racism. And so really, um, you know, really making sure that we also look at, um, vulnerable populations, um, and, and support poor women and women, um, in, in situations that may not be the most ideal situations. So just, just to, um, to highlight that. Um, so now ask me your question again. (laughs) What are some of the leading causes during these 42 days after that woman might not know they're facing? Yeah, so um, the leading causes right now of maternal mortality in the United States will vary slightly, sometimes depending on what's been going on. I'm actually really happy that uh, hemorrhage has now not become 
is no longer the leading cause of maternal mortality. I've done a lot of work trying to um, bring that those rates down. So that's very satisfying to me. So one of the things that, and probably the best thing for your uh, for this group is I've come up with the nine leading causes of maternal death. Okay, so, yeah, let's go through those. And then we broke it into um, I'm just uh, post birth. So the nine leading causes of postpartum um, deaths are really, we broke them into four that are like the most emergency situations and then another five that we would consider urgent. So the most emergency ones are like heart disease. So something related to, um, so the symptom would be pain in your chest. The next one would be obstructed breathing, and that would be something related to like a pulmonary embolism. And so if somebody had um, shortness of breath or problems breathing, that's a really serious sign that they should call 911. Then seizures, I think that's pretty obvious, but we thought we should at least highlight it. I mean, I think most people would call 911 if they had a seizure. Um, and then the other one is like thoughts of hurting themselves or their baby. So those would be like um, any kinds of really, those are very serious. Things. Call 911, not stay home at all. And we um, did that as, uh, and that spells out the word post. Uh, so pain in the chest is the P, obstructed breathing is the O, S is seizures, and T is for thoughts of hurting yourself or your baby. And um, so um, the next more urgent signs, so these are common, also very common signs of uh, that people need to be, be aware of. And this spells out the word uh, birth. So the first one is bleeding. And we decided to be very specific because we know that... Um, women, it's like, what does it mean bleeding a lot? You've never had a baby before, right? So how do you know how much is too much bleeding? So what we said is that they needed to, if they had bleeding that was soaking through one pad per hour or blood clots, the size of like the, of a size of an egg or bigger. So we were, that took us a while to come up with like very specific, what we all would agree on. And then incision that is not healing um, R is for red or swollen leg. Um, and I should underscore an incision. We mean either, uh, like in the vaginal area, perineal incision or a cesarean incision. And then R is for red or swollen leg that is painful or warm to touch. T is for temperature of 100.4 degrees Fahrenheit or higher. And then H is for a headache that does not get better even after taking medicine or a bad headache with vision changes. So you're like, so that's that, more preeclampsia, I'm looking. I'm yeah, guessing. that okay. would be pre, yeah. And that's when, um, I actually had someone two days ago email me that she heard about these warning signs. She had a really serious headache post-birth and she realized and was because of that information, she's like, oh, I didn't know you could have preeclampsia after a baby, but she learned this. And so she went to the hospital. The emergency room doctors all treated her and were acting like this was just chronic hypertension. And because she learned on her, knew this, she insisted, and they were going to send her home on, on high blood pressure medicine. 
And she's like, no, 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 you need to call an obstetrician gynecologist, who they did. And then um, they they, uh, realized she had preeclampsia and she was admitted and put on magnesium sulfate. And she thinks that this information saved her life. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I completely agree. I mean, I actually have talked to people that didn't realize you could have preeclampsia post-baby. They often think it's just pre. Although for those that watch Downton Abbey will know that. You can have it. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever watched it. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> a little spoiler alert, a little inside joke there. But, um, yeah. you know, I do think some of these things, it can be brushed away like, oh, you have a headache, you're probably dehydrated, you're probably tired, but they can be really serious. And if a yeah. woman's just dealing with this on her own and didn't even know that's in the realm of possibility, it could lead to real danger. Right. And the infection, um, there's, um, you know, how not ignoring that. Mm-hmm. Um, so the other thing we also really emphasize because there can be other signs and symptoms. We're just went for the nine most common, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but to, we really want to emphasize women to trust their instincts. So if they feel like something's really off and they're not feeling, uh, that, uh, feeling right, they need to just find out and get checked out and have somebody actually see them. So there was um, one reason I emphasize the infection is because I also know there was um, a woman who died in New Jersey by the name of Tara Hansen. They've actually now, they have a website and they formed a foundation called the Tara Hansen Foundation. And I heard her story a few years ago from her surviving husband. And um, it was very, very uh, touching to me because in her situation, she was this healthy young woman who then had an infection after having a baby. But when she and she knew something wasn't right, she called for help. Um, but everybody was like assuming uh, it wasn't that big of a deal. And she never did get um, uh, actually uh, examined. And didn't nobody you know had her come in so that's why we say it's an urgent if you have a fever to to go and get um go get health uh, health care get seen have somebody actually see you and also not ignore it trust your instincts uh i hear women uh even on the npr story that i was interviewed like apologizing like i'm not someone that over complains well it's okay to like say if you're not feeling well and explain it um and not just um, assume like this is what it feels like it, after you have a baby. 
um, you know, so how do you, how do you know? <laughs> Absolutely. And I remember, I remember um, I'm sure you've heard Ina Mae Gaskin has the big quilt of kind of like the AIDS quilt, but of, you know, maternal mortality, morbidity and the stories. And, you know, a lot of this happened postpartum and people don't know about it. And they right. just assume once the baby's out, everything's fine. But the body just went through a massive change and is healing and um, may not be healing properly. I, I did hear of a student many years ago that kept bleeding and bleeding and the doctor kept saying, oh, that's Loki. That's normal. It's normal. And finally she's, she came in, she's like, it's just not right. And there was some placenta still in the uterus. And had right. she not, I don't really know. I mean, I'm not a, a medical uh, expert that way, but I don't know what would have happened, but she, she trusted her instinct. And she's like, no, this is beyond what my friends have said is normal. Cause she talked to her friends about how much yeah. are you bleeding? So I do think, you know, sometimes it could be pushed aside like, oh, you're a first time mom or even a second time mom. You're just nervous. You don't know. But these things really need to be taken seriously. What are other cultures do? Because I know I did some research and I think it was Sweden that they have someone come like a postpartum doula type of person. I know in France, what have you found out about other cultures? Yeah, so other cultures, like Holland, they also have someone who comes to the home who has more education um, as well um, to help support women after birth. So that would be ideal, frankly. Um, What also happens in other cultures that have lower maternal mortality rates is that they actually review all of the deaths and then they share the lessons learned. Um, And currently in the United States, not every state does ever do has maternal mortality review committees. They don't That's, review what happened. No, don't you learn no from funding. what happened? <laughs> right, there's no funding for that. It's crazy. Right in the United States that we don't um, honor the deaths enough that we would take the time and spend money on. Um, on doing those reviews and then learning from them. So there's been a big push now to do more reviews, but um, some of our, so, but that's really critical, right? So that's how we get the lessons out there. And that's how we made such a difference out in California is the death of uh, the reviewing of the dust helped us learn and then helped us know how to make changes for the future. Um, the other thing that happens in other countries um is uh, and a lot of the countries with the lowest rates is they also have fewer interventions. So we were mentioning that at the beginning, um, they don't have as high rates of C-sections as we do in the United States. Um, and so um, that's huge. That's a really big deal. Um, also, we've been in the last, in a 10-year period, so there's a study that showed between 1998 and 99 compared to 2008 and 2000. That there was um, actually a 183% increase in blood transfusions. And that was not necessarily, uh, they could not find any um, correlation to like women being more obese or anything that we could say essentially blame, blame it on the women. It was more 
what were changes in practices. In a 10-year period, there hasn't been so many, uh, you know, we can't say that there's been these population changes. Women's bodies have not changed drastically in a 10-year period. So um, when I ask and talk to clinical audiences like nurses and doctors, um, what has changed in the last, in the 10-year period, we know it's been that we've been doing more inductions. And the leading cause of hemorrhage is atony, uterine atony, or the uterus not contracting. And so um, overusing induction agents is one way in which we lead to more uterine atony, which leads to more hemorrhaging, which leads to more mortality. So um, so overuse of, um, of interventions that aren't needed um, is never a good idea, but in particularly, it's not a good idea when uh, we're talking about pregnancy. Yeah, I mean, that just feels like it's a cascade of many conversations of how to <laughs> <laughs> how to invite women to take a closer look at who they've chosen as their care practice, who what the care practices rates of intervention are, educating yourself early to understand what questions to ask. I mean, it really always goes back to before birth of, of steps they can take. So getting back to a little bit about this period of the 42 days after birth, who is responsible uh, for the medical support for mom and baby before she's discharged from the birth center or hospital? Yeah, nurses have a lot of responsibility. That's one reason why we focused this study on the, on the nurses. Um, most births occur in hospitals, about 98%, and all of the women who give birth in a hospital have an, an RN who does the discharge education. And so knowing that seemed like this was a great opportunity to improve how discharge education actually occurs. I think there's also using this information prenatally is also important, but um, nurses have a lot. They do a full assess. They do an assessment the day of discharge, in addition to um, the midwife or the physician or whoever um, wrote the discharge order. The nurse also then is the last person that interviews and assesses the woman before they go home. Can you talk a little bit about what they're assessing as they're looking at the woman? Yeah, so they would be taking their blood pressure, taking their temperature, and just uh, overall making sure, like, they're not dizzy when they get up and uh, about and, um, you know, that they're able to take care of themselves at home. So it's, um, but those would be kind of the main things that people would notice that the nurses are paying attention to. But they'll be checking out, like, as, you know, so the uterus the right uh, location is every, you know, and asking questions around how much bleeding and also any other symptoms like pain in their legs or, um, you know, uh, other things. So is yeah. there a set standard of care or is it more individual to the hospital or the nurse? Right now, there's no real set standard. That's an area that we could improve upon. But there are general guidelines that everyone knows what are normal parameters. So that fits, you know, so that's um, that's one reason why it hasn't really needed a specific standard, like saying, like, everybody has to meet this standard. But um, there are general parameters that the clinicians will be following. So what is the typical instruction or education that women are getting? Are they getting the what you just listed, the, the spelling out, the post and the birth? Or, or women just saying, are they just being told, um, 
you know, if you don't feel well, let us know. Like, what do you know what that typical education looks like as they get discharged? Well, what's interesting is nobody had really looked at this or asked that question until we started doing our work. And so we were like, this is an area we should ask more questions about. This is something that nurses, how much time do nurses spend on this? Nobody knew. How, what are the nurses teaching? And so um, that's one of the things we published is like what, and we, um, so our first pilot studies were much more in depth. We did focus groups with nurses, asking them to describe to us what they were teaching. And also we found, we had them submit to us like copies of their discharge education materials. And we found that most of the information was about the baby. And that the information about the mom was pretty buried and very hard to find. And also in the focus groups, the nurses described um, they were teaching very different things. They weren't teaching every woman the same information. And that's one of the things we said is we don't know who will have postpartum complications. You can't predict that. We know some women are at higher risk, but anyone could have a postpartum complication. They're not that common. So the nurses um, were cherry picking or choosing who they told which information to. So not every woman was getting the exact same information. And that's one thing we felt like everybody should at least know this. Their partner should know this. Their, um, their, the grandmas should know this. It should just be something that everybody's familiar with. Um, and the nurses also described being, um, hesitant to bring up a, such a sensitive topic. And so we actually scripted out, they didn't want to start talking about you could die um, if you have these symptoms. They didn't want to scare the women and described how hard that was to like, here it is, this happy moment, they're on their way out. So that was one thing that held the nurses back from talking about it because they knew they're pretty rare complications. So we actually developed a script for the nurses where we said, you know, although most women won't you know, don't have any problems after they have a baby. Um, it's important that you know about these warning signs because they can happen to anyone. And just and he, and we actually developed a handout which we named "Save Your Life." <laughs> so, um, and it stood out with bright colors. Um, you know, red and yellow caution, and red for the emergency, and um, yellow for the caution. So. Um, so, and, and then the nurse, so it gave the nurses something specifically to give the women because also they knew that the women were tired and mm -hmm. what to, how to remember everything. We also gave them a checklist of what specifically to go over. So, and we gave them education. They, it only took them about 30 minutes to educate the nurses on these warning signs. They're not something that they, they are warning signs that the nurses were familiar with. They just weren't organized in a, in a very systematic way of teaching them all and also being specific and knowing what's to say about each one. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So yeah, as you're speaking, I'm like, well, can't they give them a pamphlet? So I'm glad that you organized that. But so out of the hospitals in which you've worked with and, and educated the nurses, have, is it, has it been long enough to see if that's changed any outcome or even just the, how the women are receiving this or how the nurses feel maybe more empowered to give this information to the women? 
Yeah, we do know that it did actually really change how the nurses at those hospitals um, taught uh, taught about it. And we also, we didn't have the money to do a full assessment of um of the of the results of this study um, of this uh, intervention, and we would love to have funding to do a full uh, evaluation. But we had um, now I have to put this in context. I've implemented a lot of programs over many years to improve maternal mortality rates, and they've been successful. But this was the one program where immediately within a month, I had feedback of stories of women's lives that were uh, most likely saved. And that's never happened in any of the projects I've ever led where it was that dramatic, that fast. And um, if you go, I did this work through the Association of Women's Health Obstetric and Neonatal Nurses on my website, um, uh, uh, perinatalqi.org, I have all the links. And so it also, you can get the, the one page handout and it links to all of these papers. Um, and in there, there, there is a story of a woman whose life was saved. Um, she believes because of the handout, um, specifically she had that handout and she had shortness of breath. Um, and she, um, her mother, who happened to be a nurse, um, which we don't put that in the story, but that's a little <laughs> tidbit, um, wasn't was thinking, oh, maybe she's overreacting. But the because she had this woman had had all of this education, um, said, no, no, I think it's on that paper they gave me. And so she went and got the paper, and because of that, she went in and she had a pulmonary embolism, which. Um, is so is quite rare, but if you have it, you can easily die very quickly. And so they found the pulmonary embolism, treated her, and she's say she's healthy and the baby's well. And yeah, so a big success story there. Other women describe carrying the handout with them to the emergency room to say, no, no, I have this symptom, and showing it to the emergency room doctor. Step into the world of power, loyalty. And luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. So they're getting the handout from upon discharge or are they finding it on your website? How are women getting the handout? Different ways. Yeah. In, in the project that I was describing where we did a full implementation project, they got it from the nurse prior to going home. But it could be handed out by uh, uh, in prenatal yoga. I was just thinking. Yeah. <laughs> My next question is like, is this copyrighted? Can I hand it out at my studio? All right, good. <laughs> I'm going to take that as well, I have permission. It's copyrighted um, 2A1. You would ask for permission. May um, I have permission? <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, I think you can. Um, they okay. would give permission pretty easily. You go through uh, the permissions at A1. Um, there's also a Healthy Mom and Baby magazine article, okay. and you can get that. Um, you can get that. Um, 
did I just mute you? Did I just nope. mute me? No. So, okay. Um, you can get the link to that article from my website. So you, uh, so it's all laid out. So there's all of the information is right there with links to the Perfect. article. I'll make sure that we have it in our show notes. So is there a bigger plan is to get this into hospitals? I know it's probably funding and education. What's the bigger plan for, for you for this? Well, I would love to get more funding so um, to do this. So I, at this point, I don't have any more funding to be able to do this more widely. But mm-hmm. having like that's why I'm willing to be interviewed and talk in different places. And I was very excited that we got it out in NPR, and we also got it out. Um, uh, so Renee Montaigne interviewed it and got that information out there. Um, we also had. Um, uh, did a big Twitter storm. And so we're thinking of all kinds of different ways of getting this information out there more widely. What's been the response from the NPR article? Cause that's where I first came across the study and it really yeah. kind of blew my mind. Uh, how it, has it been received? Has it changed anything? Have people reached out more Are people trying to spread the word more? Yeah, people are trying to spread the word more and um but it's hard to get like real imp- uh like the full impact um myself to know exactly does it has it met the needs. I have heard informally of different hospitals and different groups making changes. And actually um uh the woman who had that I told the story about earlier who contacted me a few days ago she went back to the hospital and told them what happened to her and advocated for there to be changes in the discharge education process and they've gone about making those changes so she helped educate the help help educate the hospital so don't be shy about um i think everybody speaking up and saying we want this information shared at our hospital hospitals. I'm also launching what's called a post-birth action community. So this will be for hospitals that want to join or anyone, individuals who want to join and kind of will walk through all of the ways in which we would recommend leading changes at the hospital level or in any facility, a birthing facility. Um, and um, part, we got um, several hundred, uh, over 300 people expressing interest in wanting some help to be able to make changes. But obviously, we can't um, make, we, you know, we can't personally, it's not efficient to mm-hmm. like try to coach every single person one on one. So, this is why we put together this action community. That's wonderful. And where can women get the most comprehensive information so they can be aware of their, if they don't get the information and the education from their care provider or nurse, they can find on your website or if are there other places that they can make sure that they're well informed to know these signs? Yeah, I think um, uh, that Healthy Mom and Baby website, which okay. there's the link to the article on my website. Um, um, <laughs> I'm going to ignore that. <laughs> what a fun <laughs> podcast. This has been. All right, we'll go back to link to your article. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so on, um, on, at the perinatalqi.org website, there's a page I devoted to post birth warning signs. And at the bottom is a link to the healthy mom and baby article. It's a short article. And it also has a link to the actual post birth warning sign, save your life handout. Um, I also link the, that because I mostly engage with professionals, I also have above that 
for professionals. So if uh, somebody who's working in a hospital wants to make sure that the administrators are familiar or wants to try to help advocate for change at their hospital, they could uh, download those, um, you know, get those articles. One of the papers there describes the entire program. It has a copy of our checklist that we had the nurses use to teach from, and it includes um, other materials. So I think that article is very important for um, healthcare professionals. Is that so. something you think that women should also have with them? So before they get released from a hospital or birth center, they can say, did we go over all this? Or is it sure? Yeah, like women could actually access the checklist. There's it's not um, it's it's pretty um, it's pretty much follows the handout. So um, but yeah, there's no reason the more people that know this, the better. (laughs) Yeah, I I really feel like the more because if women and I know hospitals, and I've worked in a lot of hospitals as a doula. And while I believe everyone truly means well, I don't think anyone's there to be malicious. Things get busy, you know. And sometimes yeah. a nurse, I think it was your article that said like um, ten minutes at the most they're spending. But I see nurses running in and out, and I know they mean well. But things get busy, and they may not be able to spend the time, even if they wanted to. And so, if the mom unfortunately has to advocate for herself, at least now she has some real thorough information and accurate information that she can try to drag the time out and say, did we check all this? Because it's scary. If a woman's released on her own, we don't have the support in our society. Maybe she doesn't have the means to have a postnatal uh, or postpartum doula. Uh, is, as well-meaning as family can be, they don't have the background. So I do think women really need, and partners need to also step in. So it's wonderful that you've made such a comprehensive handout for everyone. Yeah, it's um, the other thing I did is I also just recorded um, a webinar, which has all the slides and everything. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah, so that um, that was something that we just uh, made available to people. So I need to put that link up on. I'm thinking, is that link on that page that I was just describing? But I'll make sure it gets on that page, because what that has is it goes through the problems, things we've discussed today, and actually has slides that show the rise in maternal mortality, has the actual statistics, and then outlines um, examples of how to, you know, all of these materials I've just talked about. So I think it's a nice um, complement to everything. Too. I'll make sure that we can link to that as well. Was there anything that I didn't ask that you feel we need to tell women or partners? I just, I think I want to emphasize again about trusting instincts. Um, so it, even though we highlighted the nine most common warning signs, you know, there could be other things. So if they just feel like things aren't right and they feel like they need help or support to not feel shy about speaking up and getting that help. Absolutely. Because once that baby's out, mom often gets pushed to the side, which is so strange because for so long it was just mom, mom's going to the hospital, uh, to the doctor, you know, almost weekly in the last several weeks. And all of a sudden within moments, everything shifts. And yet we still need to take care of mom. Right. Yeah. That's the other big message, right? <laughs> this is, um, yeah, the moms are really critical. It's like, uh, when you're on an airplane, you need to put oxygen on the adults before. So, cause then the mom, if the mom's well cared for, then she's going to be able to take better care of her baby too. Yes. So it's, uh, it's all, a, it's, a 
It's all it's a big cycle. Yeah. <laughs> well, I wanted to thank you, first of all, for your time, but also for putting together such wonderful and important information. And your article, the NPR, NPR article really struck me. And then when I dove deeper into your study, it was just wonderful. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate your time. Nice Absolutely. to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Have a great day. Take care. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye. For my yoga teacher friends who are interested in working with the pregnant population, Prenatal Yoga Center offers an 85-hour Yoga Alliance certified program based on our three-pronged theory of prenatal yoga, asana, education, and community. Once a year, we hold our three-month immersion program in New York City. For those who cannot attend this training, Caprice and I are now traveling to different locations holding our training at hosting studios where we will spend six days working together, exploring and learning about prenatal yoga. This training consists of more than 50 hours working together. We also created a whole membership website with more than 20 videos corresponding directly to the manual you will receive. For more information, check out our website at prenatalyogacenter.com. Hope to work with you soon. Take care. This has been an episode of Yoga Birth Babies, produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Thanks for listening. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.